Welcome to Jammin' with Jason Mefford, a show where we discuss topics relevant to chief audit executives and professionals in audit, risk, and compliance. We discuss the technical and soft skills needed to navigate the minefields of organizations. You hear best practices and practical advice for helping you advance your career, and we'll even talk about music, mindfulness, and psychology, because we can. So sit back and relax while you listen to the number one podcast in the world for internal auditors, unscripted and unedited. Hey, everybody. I am back and talking with Nathan Picard today from 9B. And uh, we've got some, I, I, I met him a few months ago and we just kind of, you know, touch base back and forth has a really cool product that they're working on that they're, that they're rolling out here. Um, that's very relevant to what most of you are doing. And I think some of the pain points many of you are feeling as you're trying to transform your internal audit department. So I'm not going to tell you too much more now, but we're going to get into it because you got to listen to the whole episode. So Nathan, welcome. How are you doing today? Doing well. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's exciting when we talked a little a little while ago about what you guys are doing it's like kind of like a little mind blow for me because it's like oh man i can see how this can really really help lots of people right so so maybe just jump in at the first just kind of explain a little bit about you know what you do what your company does and then we'll we'll dig in because i think like as like i said at the beginning there's certain pain points people are feeling and they're like ah how am I going to get through this? Well, guess what? Listen to this episode because you're going to find out. You're going to get some answers today as actually some easy ways for you to get past some of this stuff. Yeah, I'd be happy to share. So um, 9B, we're all about data analytics and uh, with specifically with a focus on internal audit analytics. And um, I have about 15 years experience doing data analytics, um, started out in, with the city of Tulsa and uh, have a certified internal auditor, certified information systems auditor designations, but um, really just over the years, you know, went to all the classes, all the training on continuous auditing, always got super excited and never really knew how to, to pull it off with all the other duties and responsibilities of, of being an employee in an audit department. And uh, so then I, I went over to Williams, um, which is an energy company here in Tulsa, and they wanted me to help start a data analytics function in their audit department. And um, we had a lot more resources there to do amazing things, um, learned a lot, had a, had a team of data analysts, and still we got stuck in this phase of like, helping out auditors with their audits and building out great, um, great data analytics, being excited about the coding we did, about the data discovery. But then once that audit was done, we never saw our data, all that work that we did that we put into the coding. We never really got to see it come around again. So just still had that dream of, of the idea of continuous audit, continuous risk assessments, um, and it wasn't until I left Williams and I had some requests from different companies to do consulting 
then I really had this chance um, to say, hey, what if we approach this as building software? And so I got um, the head of Agile here in Tulsa to, to be my scrum master. And we just like brainstormed with thousands of post-it notes, as you can see behind me, <laughs> yeah. uh, how, how to actually do, do um, continuous auditing from a software perspective. So, so we do, and we take this agile approach where we spend, for every module we build out, we spend two weeks doing data discovery and planning um, where we just go in, we learn all of the tables that are important for, for a process like AP and um, how they relate to each other. We build out an entity relationship diagram that shows how everything is working on, from like a data flow perspective. And then we all, at the same time, me as the internal auditor. So I've got, I've got a guy that's just great at programming that's, that's digging into the database. And then I, as, as more of the internal auditor background, I'm interviewing the processors. I'm determining um, analytics are important. And I'm working with the developer who's, who's in the data. And I'm saying, hey, can you find this? Can you find this? Because um, I'd like to do this kind of analytic. And so we've built out a backlog, um, kind of a, this agile scrum backlog of analytics during the planning phase. And then we spend a two week sprint where we just build out those analytics. Um, sometimes we have a hundred analytics that we want to build out in two weeks. And so we have to prioritize and we create user stories based on what the user of this analytic is going to need. And all of that is very um, according to the scrum method. And, and so a lot of times we'll end up with 30 to 50 analytics that we built out over two weeks because we got all of the data just perfect for us to build out analytics. And then we do one more sprint where we visualize it. And so that we use Tableau for the visualization. And every analytic is built in this software coding methodology to where it'll work together with every other analytic. So what we end up with um, over, over building the software is this beautiful like one page report. <laughs> and it, the one page report shows you um, over the quarter or the month, whatever, whatever kind of time frame you want, what has happened across your organization. So across AP, across your purchasing card, your GL, um, We've done, I think we've done around eight to 10 modules now. And, and it really just shows you a, just like a real-time risk assessment of what's going up, what's going down. Um, and then one, when you choose one that's gone up, let's say um, in Tableau, it will then tell you where to do your next agile audits. And, and it gets specific. It says like this process step is where maybe 60% of the increased risk has occurred. And so that's where you should do your agile audit. And, and then one of the things that we weren't planning on was just how effective this is for the management side as well. So um, another whole piece is how do you do training of the process performers? And so that's for management to work on. And um, so the tool also says like, these four people caused 80% of the risk. And so, and here's, here's the areas where they need to be trained, the exact problems they're having. 
And so you can go in and train them. And then the most awesome part is you get to see all the results of your work. So you did your agile audit on this process step and next month you can see how the risks perform. Did they actually go down? And you can really start using your retrospective time in, in your agile process to say, okay, what happened with the, with these risks? Did they go down? How can we change our process of agile to do better in that kind of thing? I don't know. That was a, that was a big dump. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, no, and it's, so what, what I'll try to do too, because I know, you know, you're, you're much on the technical side too, and have been doing, you know, software development and coding for a long time. So even though you've got the audit background, you're still kind of a coder. So I, if, if I need to, I'll, I'll, I'll try to um, uh, translate a little bit <laughs> for, for people that aren't. But, you know, a, a couple things that you said in there where I'd like to dig in a little bit deeper because, you know, we've been talking about data analytics for a long, long time. Okay. I mean, I, I remember going back into the 90s. Yeah. You know, we were doing stuff and, and but it's just never really got the traction and yep. one of the things that you said that i think is is one of the reasons one of the mistakes that most people are making is they're treating data analytics as part of a project yep. instead of building it into the overall process mm -hmm. right so back again when you were at Tulsa and Williams and you're like, hey, you know, we did this great work and then the project's over and we never use it again. Yeah. Well, you're not really leveraging all of that work, right? You're thinking of it as a discrete project and then never actually using it again. So you're never getting the efficiencies out of it. You're always trying to relearn, redo all of these things where the beauty you know, of you kind of stepping back and now helping companies with this is, look, don't just do it once, you know, you build it, you build it into the process. And now it actually helps you in doing all of these other things, right? So don't just build it, put it on the shelf, and then never go back to it. Yeah, that hit me so hard recently. I was talking to Williams, they have a new chief audit executive. I was talking to her and <clears throat> she didn't even know wh what we had done in the past. And she said, we're starting at ground zero with data analytics. And it, it just killed me because I was like, <laughs> I did all that work and you're not using it. <laughs> oh, man, you spent way over a million dollars on three data analysts that did so much work. And it's all, nobody even knows where it is now, you know, because we all left and, and uh, yeah, no continuous part about it at all. <laughs> so. Well, and the, and the other thing, like, you know, you were talking about how you can use the different analytics to work with each other as well. And I think, you know, the example that you gave is, I think what a lot of people have been, what we should be doing, but they're not realizing that the information is there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you said, hey, the risk went up in this particular area. Well, why did it go up? Well, there's these four individuals in what they're doing, you know, Pareto principle, folks, we've been talking about this forever too, right? Focus on the 20% that causes the 80% impact. Well, now you can actually visualize and see that with some of the analytics. And so we can be much more efficient in what we're doing, right? And that it, it lines into, you know, as we 
we were talking before we even got started here, you know, the three things a lot of people are working on, continuous risk assessment, agile, and data analytics. Well, they can all and should all be going together, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and, and using them as a process instead of thinking about everything just as an individual project. Yeah, yeah. And I think it seems like that's a big mindset that audit still hasn't gotten past. And again, like you said, it doesn't matter whether it's a small company, whether it's a big company. I mean, William spent a million bucks on a couple of, uh, of analytics and then they're not using them, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, you should be continuing to use these things, right? So, so how are you kind of helping companies do this now? Because I, I've got to imagine there's a lot of people that are listening that are like, yep, been there, we've done this. We're, you know, we, we haven't used it. We don't know where it's at. People have left. We don't know what they did, right? Because there's a lot of intellectual capital that walks out of the door each year. Um, so how have you kind of helped companies overcome some of these challenges that most every internal audit department has? Yeah, I, I think that's where it, we were trying to come up with a solution when we were in the companies of, of how to pull this off. And it's always like, can you just give us like 50% of our time to work on a continuous, on a continuous audit piece? And and it just never worked because we did good work and we always had so much demand from the auditors um, for the projects they were doing right then. And, uh, and so we never got to really focus. And I think that's where, that's where starting a company where, where we get contracts to do this and, and we can actually spend the time to develop it out as a software has been has been the answer that I've been asking, like, you know, just going to all these conferences and they tell you the theory of continuous auditing. It's like, I wanna see it actually in real life work, you know? And um, so, so I don't know. I think another piece is when you, when you put an analyst in a group of internal auditors, um, they are a very different type of person. And, and so for, for me and, and the other analysts that I've worked with, um, we've always felt very stifled by the environment we're in, whereas we want to be, um, I think we're a lot more creative. I was an art major in college before I moved into accounting and um, just a lot, a lot more creative and really wanting that like back and forth with other creative individuals. Um, I think is probably why you see analysts kind of not staying very long in it with a with an audit group or or just ending up um, losing a lot of steam from when they start and and um, so I think for us it's been creating a company that's all about the creative side all about celebrating this idea of data analytics in an amazing way. I don't know. I think that's part of the answer that we found. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, as you were talking about kind of from your perspective, right? Because you have the audit background, yeah. but you're artistic and creative in nature. And I think sometimes we, we kind of forget that because, you know, coders, analysts, they're really kind of creating art, but it's, it's numerical art. And in fact, you know, for those of you that know a lot about art, it's all about math at the end of the day, right? The proportions, Fibonacci numbers, all kinds of stuff, okay? But we, we don't have time on, on this episode to get into this. 
but it's 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 amazing and and i think one of the things that you brought up is probably again one reason why so many people are struggling with this is they're bringing in people that need to have a certain skill set to do the work to do the work the right way but they don't really mesh with the culture that we built in internal audit and so it's almost like you know you're the redheaded stepchild or the bastard child and it's kind of like people just tell you well i need an analytic to do this on this project go build it for me right and so you go off you do a discrete project and you're over there on the side going yeah but 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 we could do all these other things right and and it kind of and, and this is one of the reasons why i love what you guys are doing with your software is once something has been built, you don't need to go reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But everybody is trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And it's just, it's a huge suck of, yeah. of time and energy, right? It's like, you know, one of the clients that I have, they've got a great software product and it's the same thing. It's like, you know, for 10,000 a year, you can like get all of the knowledge that this company has amassed for 20 years and save yourself hundreds or thousands of hours worth of time, right? Yeah. But there's still a lot of people that are like, no, damn it, I've got to do it myself. I've got to map everything myself. And it's like, why, <laughs> right? If somebody's already kind of invented it or figured it out, why don't you just latch on to it? And I think, you know, again, as we've talked a little bit, we haven't shared much here, but what you guys are doing with your software is effectively, hey, we've already developed a lot of these analytics already. All you got to do is plug it into your data, mm -hmm. right? Because somebody's already built it and it's kind of like a plug and play um, kind of thing that you can do. Yeah, that's what that's what we love is is the way we built it. It's very object oriented. So like you've got your data layer that that you have to do your data discovery figure out what tables are interacting with what tables and get you to those final data points and we we call that our prep table and so when our prep table is done then the next layer is all these analytics that we've already built and and they can just use that prep table and so yeah it is it's very much plug and play um and, and I mean, we get excited about all the ways to make it even more customizable where, where we have a survey that goes out and says, what are your P card limits? And when they answer that number, then that goes and plugs into our script that looks for when they do a split transaction that goes over their P card limit, that kind of thing. Okay, so you've actually built it in so that even though the scripts are kind of, um, pre-built, like yeah. you said, they, they put in their limit, it customizes, you know, 95% of it is already built. You just need to know what the limits are so that then the analytic can run based off of the set parameter that you have, right? Beautiful. Instead of having to rewrite the whole script, all you got to do is tell them, hey, it's $5,000. Okay, sweet. $5,000. Now we know where all your data is. So we know where to pull the information is. Because again, there's it's, it's not just as simple as saying here, click, 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 right? You still have to select the data source that you're coming from. But once that work is done, then a lot of these analytics that you've already built can start functioning operationally for companies as well. I'm, I'm guessing that's, that would save people hundreds of hours 
Yeah, and, and the other thing that we're excited about is really working with all of the new cloud ERP systems because they have a lot less customization on them than the server-based ones. And so we get excited when someone comes to us and says, we want it for this cloud system because we know once we spend the time to do that discovery, it's kind of a one and done thing and we can apply it to any other customer of that cloud ERP system. Um, so we get excited about that. Well, yeah, that's, that's interesting because I never even thought about that too. But yeah, as the software companies have moved more to their cloud instances, there's less customization by the, by the end user. And so because of that, it actually makes the data analytics side of it easier because you're not trying to work around a bunch of customization. Wow. I hadn't even thought about it that way. (laughs) We're excited when when we get a request for a new cloud one, (laughs) we're like this, this we can take and, and all of these other people will get the benefit of the time spent on this data discovery. And, and that's, that's a big part of our process is, is we want every sprint to have really good products on their own. And so even the planning sprint, you get like a flow chart of your process that's, that's helpful. And you get an ERD of all the tables that are used and how they interact and and you can use that for, for one-off analytics if you want. Now you know how those tables work. Um, on one cloud system, we had uh, we have a data dictionary of 9,000 pages. And so, oh. and, it's a, and it's a PDF. So it's like, oh God, you got to read that thing word by word. But, um, but that's, that's the time that you don't want someone else to have to spend and pay for. Like once we do it once um, on a cloud system, then, the 6,000 customers that use that, that cloud system that we're doing it for um, can really reap the benefits of that, so. Well, and it, and it leads me kind of to another uh, challenge that I think a lot of people have is, is, you know, everybody knows they should be doing more with this, so they want to hire people, mm-hmm. but they can't find people to hire, right? And so I might get the numbers a little bit wrong, but the numbers that I was kind of told, right? is in the industry, there's only about 10% of, of the auditors that also have data analytics skills, right? Yeah. So 10%, not very many auditors, right? So here's a little career hint for everybody. You know, if you're interested, there's only 10%. So learn some more about data analytics, right? If you don't know where to go, then there's a whole bunch of courses on C-Risk Academy, by the way. And it's pretty easy to just go click and start learning, right? At least to start getting some of the basics down. But so so there's a huge, you know, there's there's only about 10% of the people that have these skills already. But I've heard that the job postings that are requiring both skills is about 30%, which means there's a 20% gap. So 20% of those jobs are never going to be filled because there's nobody with those skill sets. Right. So either we've got to get individuals to skill up, learn how to do it so then they can be available for those jobs. Or the other option is you bring somebody in, right? Which is what a lot of people do. They'll hire a consulting company that comes in, they do analytics on a project basis, and then the person leaves. Well, next time you want to do them, what do you have to do? You got to hire that person again, right? 
with your solution, you don't have that, I think, right? Yeah, that's, that's a big goal. Um, we see it as more of a SaaS tool, a software as a service where, where you pay an annual fee and then we make sure that they run every week, every, how, however often you want them to run. Um, these analytics run every, we treat it as software. So we do bug fixes if there's bugs and everyone gets the benefit of those. But we also do, you know, every time someone has another analytic idea or we have another idea that can be applied to everybody that it, that it helps. And so, yeah, we see it, we see it as a different model that I think really speaks to that problem of, you know, there's just not enough analysts to go around. So if, if we can help a hundred companies with five analysts, I mean, that's, that's a big, um, that really helps fill that gap, I think. And, and we hope that it's way more effective than, than trying to hire your own person or, or train someone um, when, when to start from nothing. Well, and, and, and because, you know, again, it just, I'm going to throw out some basic numbers, right? And, and um, you know, if you were to hire somebody, bring somebody in as a data analyst, I'm guessing you're probably going to spend at least 100 grand a year for that person. At least here in the U.S., if not more, probably right. Uh, but, but you're probably looking at a minimum hundred grand for a salary uh, to bring somebody in. Then you have the one person. You've still got the problem of if the person, you know, because of the culture or you know whatever, after six months decides to leave. Well, now you you lose all that knowledge. Plus, now you got to go hire somebody else new again, right? Yeah. You can you can bring in you know, and, and a lot of them are the big firms, you can bring in somebody to do a consulting project. And again, I'm guessing minimums probably 50 ish up to, you know, like you said, with Williams, I mean, they probably spent a million bucks on on some of these analytics, right. And then again, if the firm leaves, <laughs> if the people at the firm leave who did it, again, you've got these beautiful analytics that you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that are not working for you even still right yeah. versus actually having them built into a software um and and, and this is why again i mean i i've said this a couple of times but i love the model you guys are using too because yeah. it's it's it goes along with how businesses are run now yeah the whole idea that whatever your competitive advantage is, you know, the unique thing that the company does, that's what you have in-house. Mm -hmm. Everything else is possible. You outsource to somebody who can do it better and quicker and faster and cheaper than you do, right? And so a lot of these back office administrative functions, even in very large companies, are not actually in-house, right? IT is one of those things that's outsourced to other companies. Accounting is actually even outsourced in some huge companies, right? Because there's a lot of that stuff in the back and people probably like glossed over what you just said about bug fixing, patches, you know, making sure that the analytics are running all the time that you guys are actually doing in the background that the internal audit department doesn't have to be doing. Right. And it's not in their core, 
you know, skill set either to do that. And so instead of having to build a whole department with maybe multiple people in it, you can outsource most of the heavy lifting on the back end and then just focus on, hey, what do I want the analytics to do, uh, you know, based on the particular project or the process that you're actually um, working on. So, you know, it's just a great model. And like I said, it, it goes along with what, how businesses are actually working now. So yeah. we, need we, to, we need to start thinking that way too. <laughs> I, know, I know. Yeah. I've, I've become a big believer in that just from starting a company and seeing like all of these SaaS products that we use now as a small company, um, because those aren't the skill sets we have. And we want someone that does have that skill set to be running that piece for us. And we love, we love it. And even hiring this scrum master to teach us how to do the software um, development piece was just one of those things where it's like, wow. I mean, we could have tried to, you know, I, I read all these agile auditing things and, and went to the seminars and things and I still couldn't figure out how to do it. And then hiring someone who really lives and breathes agile scrum and bringing him in it was just mind-blowing the difference and so anyway yeah i i'm a huge believer in that bring in the experts and, and you be the expert at what you're the expert <laughs> well and, and don't don't waste your time trying to figure it out when somebody else has already figured it out yeah. right yeah. i mean again so just like you were saying there with agile right um, and you can take any any of these different topics right you, you read the books you went to seminars or to different trainings and stuff but you still couldn't figure out how to click it all together and make it work for internal audit, right? Well, as an example, one of the guys, we, we just actually came out with a new course on C-Risk about this. Took the guy three years to figure it out yeah. and to actually make it work so that it actually practically works and people can actually do it, right? So, you know, just like with what you guys are doing, you know, it's like, do you really need to spend three years trying to figure it out or do you just leverage what somebody else has already figured out, right? And again, I know some people like to make things hard. <laughs> I prefer to have things easy and bring in the people that I need to, to be able to help with that. Because like you said, I, I do the same thing in my businesses. We outsource a lot of things that yes, we could do internally. Right. <laughs> okay, we could do it internally. Could we do it cheaper? maybe in in hard monthly cash costs we might be able to do it easier but long term and risk reduction standpoint way cheaper to outsource it when you start to consider some of the other things that could go on yeah so you know as as internal audit we need to i think start thinking that way i talk a lot about us getting out of 100 years ago this is one of those areas too you don't have to completely build a whole data analytics department to actually start doing data analytics. You can leverage and actually, you know, utilize what other people have already kind of started to do and bring in people to help you, you know, because, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And like you said, I mean, I think this, this is kind of hope, hopefully everybody that's listening today, you're starting to see how some of these things can work together, right. And can help you overall. And we talked about some of the problems people are having. You know, you try to find somebody, you can't find anybody to hire. You hire them, they're here for a while, 
then they leave. You do data analytics for a particular discrete project. You spend a bunch of time and money doing them, and then you never use them again, right? These are all mistakes that people are making. It's like, people stop making these mistakes. There's, there's a better way to do it. Yeah, and I think, I think on that topic, just of bringing in those, those companies to do a data analytic um, project, you end up, what we've seen multiple times is, is, as a pitfall is people go after analytics, thinking of it from a, kind of this exception report basis mm -hmm. where, where they wanna say like, okay, we're gonna do this analytic, it'll show us all the exceptions and then we'll go investigate those exceptions. And, and I've, never seen, I've never seen that methodology last because they quickly realize just how many false positives you end up having and it takes so much time and effort to deal with all of those. And, and so that's, that's something that just over the 15 years, I was like, there's gotta be a better way to write where you don't get stuck in this exception like pool that you can't get out of. Um, and so that's, that's been the exciting part of building it as a software product is where every analytic we just see as a little building block. And we always say, don't look at this one just on its own. Like maybe it's weekend transactions. Well, maybe there's a hundred reasons why they would have a weekend transaction, but it's so we, we run our operations 24 seven. I mean, right. come on, right? Yeah. <laughs> So that's where we put together, and we were just looking at this before the call um, for a purchasing card transaction. When you look at it in our visualization, it actually brings up to the top the transaction that had the most risks. And so this one transaction had 17 risk flags. And so it, it had a duplicate, it had um, like the approver approved it in less than 30 seconds after approving the one prior. So they, they didn't adequately look at the receipts, you know, pull them up and look at them. And it was 17 of those types of things. And weekend transactions was one of them. It was on the weekend. And, and so it's not that the weekend is this one exception that you have to go look at every single exception. But when you see that along with 16 other flags, it's like, oh shoot, yeah, this transaction is the one that I should be spending my time with. And I think that's where we have a lot of fun with the software part and just where all the analytics can really work together and you can show the highest possibility of the fraud or, or bring it all up and look at it and say, this, this process step is having the highest problem area, is the highest problem area, and that's where we should focus and agile on it. So I think that's where we get excited is really getting away from the, from the exception like investigation pitfall. Well, and I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up because I think again that is probably a mindset issue that yeah. we have that I think a lot of people in audit think oh data analytics are a way for us to catch exceptions, right? And but but data analytics is more than just catching exceptions, right? It's actually looking at where the processors are working right as well and kind of monitoring that kind of from the continuous auditing standpoint. Um, so yeah, that's probably another mindset thing that we need to kind of shake our heads and realize, look, it's not just about finding exceptions. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be so much more than that. And especially when you layer on, 
that was a great example because so many people, they start doing a data analytic and then they throw their hands up yeah. and they're like, I got a thousand false positives. How the hell am I going to do this? Right. And so they just stop. They're like, oh, it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because you didn't set it up right to begin with. And when you, when you layer in some of these other red flag kind of issues, you understand how it works and you're using all of the analytics together as a process instead of just a project, mm -hmm. then it makes things much, much easier. And I'm all about easy. <laughs> well, Nathan, thank, thank you for, uh, for taking the time today. Um, like I said, I, I learned stuff today too actually talking with you and, and kind of got some clarity about a, a few things as to maybe why some people still just have such a hard time with data analytics, you know? And so, you know, if you're trying to do it, rewind, <laughs> listen to this again, um, because you're going to find some things of like, oh, that's probably one of the mistakes that I'm making um, and maybe why it's not working quite the way that I, that I want it to. You know, and quit trying to recreate the wheel. Just, you know, if somebody's already figured it out, then leverage what they're doing. So, Nathan, thanks for, yeah. thanks for sharing with everybody today. Um, appreciate you taking, taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. Have a great rest of your day. And I'll catch you later on the next show. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy at ondemand.criskacademy.com. And that's C as in the letter C, riskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you also will have access to the video version of today's show. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.